Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You know, today, right now, Wall Street is so focused on the cryptocurrency markets. It's quite funny. All because of that one fund losing, I guess, $16 billion dollars. I mean, that is big news and a company that was going bankrupt as well. But there are other things that should be looked looked at from Wall Street currently right now that Wall Street just isn't looking at at the end of the day. And there's other news too, where they're talking about who's who's the King Superior company over between Walmart and Target. And yeah, Wall Street's kind of all over the map today when it comes to their news reporting. But we found some interesting news that we would like to discuss on today's podcast today. First off, we have some more news from Nightscope. Nightscope continues to grow and Wall Street continues to ignore them. Now, what does this mean for the company going forward? You'd find this interesting when we talk about this article today. Joe Biden, too, is also in the news as well. Again, he has been talking to China, President Xi. And we'll get a little bit into that later about what that means going forward. There is some positive news, it looks like, finally, for the metaverse in the making that Wall Street isn't 100% knowing or at least looking at right now, but it could have potential growth for Meta and Mark Zuckerberg might look like a genius when the time comes based based off the fact that a lot of Meta's growth could potentially come from Asia or the Asia markets in general. Jeff Bezos is talking too in the news as well that we'll talk about and he's urging consumers and business owners to reduce risk in the face of a likely recession in the making. And finally, other news from Jeff Bezos' former company that he used to run, Amazon. Amazon is planning to lay off people and it's getting interesting how more of these layoffs are happening currently right now and where they're happening. With that being said, I have to remind you all that I'm not a professional advisor in any way, shape, or form. Everything I talk about on this podcast is for information purposes only. You need to do your own research before investing in any stock or company as you're not guaranteed to make money when you invest in the stock market. Please also note too that this isn't a financial advice channel. This is just our new, our opinion and us reading the news to be able to figure out what's happening in Wall Street because there's always news that's not always being able or willing to talk about. Please also notice too that I do have positions in Nightscope and Meta. They are long-term positions and they are small positions. And with that being said, let's begin today's podcast. Nightscope receives contract for 41 machines from University in New Jersey. From Mountain View, California, a leading developer of autonomous security robots today announced a new contract at a New Jersey university for 31 of its K1 Blue Light Towers and 10 of its K1 Blue Light e-phones. According to the Times Higher Education, Student Survey, Visible Security, and More Crime Prevention Measures were among the top recommendations for improved safety, with more and more students considering personal safety among their selection criteria when choosing a college or university to attend. It is likely that campus with more security systems in place, like those offered by Nightscope, experienced increased enrollment and revenue. Emergency blue light communication devices are iconic, recognizable symbols of safety that serve to deter potential negative activities from great distances. Given the blue light towers are immobile, Nightscope also offers its mobile autonomous security robots, or ASR, as an additional layer of defense to extend the protective reach beyond the physical location. With throughout interrogations, the mobility of ASR combined with the convenience of near 
Instant emergency communications of blue light phones can greatly reduce crime on any campus. Nightscope cellular and satellite communication with solar power provide students, faculty, and visitors additional safety when away from campus buildings. This is a powerful step towards achieving the four cornerstones of campus safety that administrations and officials should seek. Communication, prevention, mobilization, and apprehension. You know, I've come to the conclusion after reading this article today, at least when I read it this morning, that I think I know how Nightscope's going to eventually grow. Okay. They're robots, the autonomous ones that drive by themselves, like the K5, the K3, potentially the K7, and obviously the K Tower and the K Hemisphere, I think they call it. Those are not going to be the sellers at first. Those are the more advanced technology. And, but at the same time, them buying out case emergency system has been a very, very smart move for Nightscope. A lot of their growth right now is going to happen with case in the, in the short term. In the long term, it will be more the autonomous security robots, okay? And this is why I'm thinking this, okay? Last week, we had two major announcements. They deployed 25 uh, machines the other day, 25 in, in total. Three of them were the autonomous robots and 22 of them were the blue light systems, okay? Then they also announced that they sold 22 to a school in Florida, 22 of the blue lights, okay? Now you have... 41 right here, 41 of the machines that are coming to New Jersey. Obviously, 31 of those are the blue lights, and the, the remaining 10 are the phone, the e-phones. You would recognize those e-phones, actually, if you were, like, in a parking structure of a school or just a parking structure in general. They're, they're kind of like a hidden call box within the parking structure. And so right there alone between those two announcements, not the deployed ones, obviously, the 25 that we just talked about, but the 22 and 41, that's at least 63 in the pipeline that they currently have. And that's not even counting the potential 30 of the robots, like the actual Nightscope autonomous robots that they're trying to get out of the door too. So Nightscope is getting close to about having 100 machines in network for a backlog in the making which means Nightscope's future revenue will potentially be increasing. Now, like I said, I firmly believe in the making that Nightscope with their blue towers now, or correction, the K1 blue light towers, those will probably sell first. Those probably will. And that's where a lot of Nightscope's revenue is going to come. And then in time, they'll start getting the autonomous robots out more because you got to eventually expand your perimeter for security. First, it'll be the light towers, probably get sold a lot. And then it'll go to the actual robots. And I expect those robots, especially at the college campus level, to start patrolling parking structures as well. But at the end of the day, Nightscope is growing. Okay, I wouldn't be surprised if by sometime next year, if they can keep continue to growing this trend currently right now, because the synergies are look like, it looks like they're working. Okay, I don't know if there's an actual Nightscope robot at a New Jersey location, but it wouldn't surprise me if in the long run they decide like hey we're going to need a robot here as well at the new jersey school as obviously too right i think within the long term at least i think sometime next year i honestly believe nightscope's going to have about ten thousand robots in network not just the robots but obviously the poles as well and that would be a huge step for a company especially for a company that's small and still growing and wall street's not recognizing right now this isn't this isn't financial advice like i'm saying okay it's just an observation that we're making is Nightscope is growing and Wall Street isn't talking about them currently right now. And it's just fascinating to see how a company keeps announcing these things and Wall Street's just not paying attention to it. Nightscope currently, like I said, has over 7,000 deployed machines in network. Now, like I've talked about in the past podcast, 
Only 100 and is it 130? Might be 130. Well, at least it's above 100, I believe. Only 100 of them are their actual robots. Most of it is the case. Case is going to continue to help grow Nightscope's revenue in the short term. But in the long term, it's probably going to be the robots itself that's going to eventually make Nightscope grow. So there's two phases of growth potentially Nightscope's going to go through. It's just extremely fascinating to see how this is happening. And Wall Street's just not paying attention to it. They have a backlog of almost 100 machines right now. And that's not even talking about, too. They report earnings tomorrow, actually, on the 15th of November, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know if it's before or after the bell, but they do report earnings. And so it's going to be really fascinating to see how Wall Street handles. Because literally, they're going to about ready to say, like, we went from having 100 and something robots in network to over 7,000. And then they're going to show their backlog. And their revenue growth is just going to be potentially insane. Not financial advice, just my personal opinion. But I think Nightscope's about ready to pop up on their earnings after they report tomorrow. Could be wrong. And if I'm wrong, then I'll admit I'm wrong. So at least if there is something to talk about when Nightscope comes. Continuing on with articles, Biden objects to Taiwan's aggressive approach. Correction, Biden objects to China's aggressive approach to Taiwan in a three-hour meeting with Xi. President Joe Biden on Monday raised objections to China's actions towards Taiwan in a three-hour meeting with Chinese leader Jing, uh, President Xi. The meeting took place in Bali a day before the G20 summit and due to kickoff, which is the first time the two superpower leaders have met in person since Biden took office. Quote, we need to chart the right course for the U.S.-China relationship, Xi said, at the opposing at the meeting at the Mandarin, according to official English translation broadcast. Quote, we need to find the right direction for the bilateral relationship, a correction, bilateral relationship going forward and, evalu and, e and evaluate the relationship. Xi emphasized the need to learn from history, using it as a mirror to guide the future. According to a release from China Foreign Ministry, he said that the beliterated relationship, actually, correction, the bilateral relationship, is not in situation that is an interest for the two countries' peoples, and that and isn't that what international community expects. The meeting took place in Bali a day before the G20 summit is due to kick off. The U.S. and China can manage their differences and stop competition from turning into conflict, Biden said. A White House readout of Biden's remarks said that the two leaders spoke kindly about their respective priorities and intentions across range of issues. President Biden exp explained that the U.S. will continue to compete vigorously with the PRC, the People's Republic of China, including by investing in sources of strength at home and align efforts with allies and partners around the world, the readout said. Quote, we... He, Quote, he reiterated that the competition should not veer into conflict and underscore that the United States and China must manage the um, competition responsibility and maintain open lines of communications. The two leaders discussed the importance of developing principles that would advance these goals and task their teams to discuss them further. Yeah, see, here's the thing. I don't 100% believe that, okay? President Xi, when he became president, he announced again that Ch Taiwan is part of China. China has been threatening the United States when Nancy Pelosi went to Taiwan as well. And if there's not a competition, then why is Joe Biden trying to bring the chip manufacturing back to the United States? Oh, wait, that's right. Because there is a manu there is a competitive drive between these two nations. It's all fluff. Absolute fluff in the making. I mean, you in reality, okay, let's think of this. Let's think of it this way. President Xi just won re-election for life, pretty much, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, if you can call them elections, I guess, at the end of the day. Joe Biden, he only has two years left of being a president. Now, he could run for re-election and win again and go for another four years, if he can handle it, obviously. But you cannot trust them right now, okay? Remember, China's kind of still buddies with Russia. 
and they, I believe, have been keeping us keep an eye on Ukraine to see how the Ukraine efforts have been going and to determine. And this is just this is just this is just my personal opinion. I honestly believe China does want to take over Taiwan at the end of the day. And the only reason being is because of the semiconductor industry. Semiconductors are going to be a huge, huge industry in the making in the future. Okay. The semiconductor industry in particular too, is like the new oil in the making. People don't realize it right now, but it will be because I mean, you're making chips for almost everything in your cars and your phones and your computers and your laptops and even in military devices as well. Chips are going to be, are literally the new, the new oil in the making. And you wouldn't be having these conversations unless you were trying to have peace in this world. But there is going to be a lot of tensions going forward. And don't be surprised if the chip industry, whatever China does next, especially with Taiwan, like I keep saying, the chip industry is going to get affected by it. Now, granted, the United States is trying to make a push to allow chips to be made back in the United States, in New York and Ohio, that we've talked about in past podcasts. I advise going to listen to those podcasts but chips are the new oil in the making. And that's one thing a lot of investors should be paying attention to. This isn't financial advice, but it is something to pay attention to because the chip industry, like I'll just keep saying over and over again, is the new oil in the making because it's needed in almost everyday life. But continuing on with the Asian area, okay? Asia economy, no longer science fiction. Metaverse could pump 1.4 trillion a year into the Asia's GDP report says. Meta's huge bet on the metaverse may have put the company in dire straits, but a new report suggests that the virtual realities could have transformational effects on the Asian economies. The metaverse contribution to gross domestic product in Asia could be between 800 billion and 1.4 trillion per year by 2035, said a consulting company. That would be roughly 1.3% to 2.4% of overall GDP. It added Assuming there are sustainable technology investments made in the next five to 10 years, the metaverse can be loosely defined as a virtual world where people live, work, and play. With cryptocurrency, users can buy and develop virtual land or dress their own avatars. According to the report, the metaverse in Asia strategies for accelerating economic impact examined the potential influence of the metaverse on 12 Asian economies. Okay, And it says here from a quote, it says, quote, if you look at the use, they're the ones who are interacting and engaging with the metaverse mostly today. And 60% of the world's youth lives in Asia. On top of that, there are 1.3 billion mobile gamers in Asia, making up the world's largest player base, according to the report. Quote, the metaverse is no longer science fiction. Early metaverse platforms are already being used by millions, it wrote. Gaming is one of the early ways in which one is introduced to the metaverse. The segment that their expectations are going to drive a lot of behaviors of how the next internet evolves. And it says Asia's edge. Though metaverse technology is still in its nuances, there are already millions in Asia spending time and money on popular virtual platforms like Fortnite, Roblox, and Decentraland. Never heard of that one before. South Korea's Zipeto, a social media app that allows users to create 3D avatars, has over 300 million registered users worldwide, it added. Asia's edge when it comes to the metaverse also lies in its sectorial expertise as a manufacturer of electronic and semiconductors. Yeah. Mark Zuckerberg might be on to something, and all honestly, okay? If you guys ever do go into the metaverse, I would advise, just so you can get an understanding of what's coming, especially if you have young kids, because a lot of young kids will probably be spending a lot of time in the metaverse. But what's interesting about the metaverse is there's people who actually build worlds within the metaverse, and it's mind-boggling sometimes what these designers are doing, okay? And that might actually be a subject that might get made in school eventually, is like, especially in the art departments, is metaverse world building 
That would be extremely interesting. That became a class at the college level eventually. But it is becoming a new trend, okay? The metaverse is fascinating in the fact that sometimes it looks almost as real as as, as our world. It's not 100% there yet, but it is getting there, okay? And it's only a matter of time before they perfect it. Obviously, like I said, Mark Zuckerberg's metaverse isn't there yet. But there are other metaverse apps like VR Chat, for instance. And this isn't a this isn't like, oh, go to VR Chat. It's just as someone who went into it recently to understand it a little bit more, VR Chat sometimes looks like a decently real world in the making. And that's where a lot of video games are going to eventually go. Maybe that's what a lot of video game companies are eventually going to start doing too, is they're not going to bother releasing, releasing consoles as much. They'll just throw everything onto the metaverse. And then you can play your video games on the metaverse instead. Maybe that's where uh, companies might end up going, especially the gaming companies. That would make things a lot more interesting because then if you finish a game right, they could add extra quests to the metaverse instead of just having to cr- take forever for a CD to be made. You just throw it all in the metaverse. Maybe that's where things are going. It'd be really fascinating to see if actually the gaming companies decide to do that going forward. Now on some news about Jeff Bezos at Amazon. Bezos urges consumers and business owners to reduce risk in the face of a likely recession. Amazon's founder, Jeff Bezos, once again warned of the challenges of the economic recession, telling consumers and small business owners they should reduce their risk by hanging on to cash and delaying big purchases. Quote, the probabilities say if we're not in a recession right now, we're likely to be in one very soon, Bezos said in an interview with CNN released on Sunday. Quote, my advice to people, whether they're small business owners, is to take some risk off the table. If you were going to make a purchase, maybe slow down that purchase a little bit. Some Keep some dry powder on hand and wait a bit. The comments built on Bezos' warning last month, that is, was it was time to uh, batten down the hatches. Bezos made th- that statement on Twitter in response to CNBC flip of Goldman Sachs CEO David Solomon predicting that there's a good chance there will be a recession. Many executives have recently warned of difficult economic times ahead with a fresh wave of layoffs and cost-cutting measures taking effort over the past few weeks. Amazon's made some comebacks, including canceled or delayed new warehouses and a hiring freeze. In a CNN interview, Bezos says he doesn't know if it's technically a recession yet, but said, what I can tell you is the economy doesn't look great right now. Things are slowing down. You're seeing layoffs in many sectors of the economy. People are slowing down. He added that consumers and business owners should play the probabilities for a bit by keeping cash on hand and delaying buying a new TV, car, or piece of equipment. Quote, it's uh, continuing, last thing we'll read is, it's difficult to predict the when the downturn will end, Bezos said, so you have to try and be reasonable about, about it. Take as much risk off the table as you can for yourself. Hope for the best, but prepare for the worst. Yeah, I'm going to keep saying this. I honestly believe the last few months we have been in a recession. I honestly believe the moment that Russia invaded Ukraine, the recession pretty much began. Okay. I mean, events like that happen a lot. Okay. Uh, that's what I believe is... The minute Russia invaded Ukraine was the kickoff of the quote-unquote recession that they've been talking about for the longest time. But I also have to point this out too, Jeff Bezos. There's been a lot of layoffs happening since, and we've been doing this podcast since April, but since April, since we've been starting this podcast, we've been reading a lot about layoffs across the board. And it's interesting because a lot of these layoffs are happening in the tech sector. We know of Twitter's recently because of Elon Musk trying to make sure that Twitter can survive this stormy days that they're in right now. We know Microsoft was having to lay off people. We know Google has been having to lay off people. Even Facebook had to lay off people last week. And now we got more tech workers being laid off by Amazon. Okay, it says Amazon reportedly plans to lay off about 10,000 employees starting this week. 
Amazon is planning to lay off approximately 10,000 employees in corporate and technology roles beginning this week, according to a report from the New York Times. Shares of Amazon were down 2.5% Monday. The cuts would be the largest in the company's history and would primarily impact Amazon devices organizations, retail division, and human resources, according to the report. The reported layoffs would represent less than 1% of Amazon's global workforce and 3% of its corporate employees. The report follows headcount reductions at other tech firms, Meta announced last week, that it's laying off more than 13% of its staff or more than 11,000 employees. And Twitter laid off approximately half its workforce in days following Elon Musk's $44 billion acquisition of the company. Amazon reported 798,000 employees at the end of 2019, but had 1.6 million full and part-time employees as of December 31st of 2021, a 102 increase. The New York Times said that the total number of layoffs remains fluid and could change. A representative from Amazon did not immediately respond to a request for comment. The holiday shopping season is critical for Amazon and usually one where the company has increased its headcount to meet demand. But Andy JC, who took over as CEO in July of 2021, has been in cost-cutting mode to preserve cash as the company confronts slowing sales and a gloomy global economy. The company has already announced plans to freeze hiring for corporate roles in the retail business. In recent months, Amazon shut down its telehealth service, discontinued its quirky video calling projection for kids, closed all but one of its U.S. call centers, axed its rolling, rolling delivery robots, shuttered underperforming brick and mortar chains, and it's closing, canceling, or delaying some new warehouse locations. Yeah, Jeff Bezos. There's been layoffs happening this entire year. And in my honest opinion, it, it is a thing where if it's seasonal workers, then you're going to end up losing those workers. Okay, that's I, I've accepted that, okay? But what I cannot accept currently, Jeff Bezos, is you're saying that it's going to happen when it's already potentially already here, okay? And the only reason I say that is, if you remember, there was a quote from Facebook, okay? And Facebook said last week that they were expecting that online shopping was going to be the way to go in the future, that people were going to be staying at home. They weren't going to be shopping in brick and mortars. And Facebook bought into that. Actually, not Facebook, Meta, I mean. Meta bought into that and they flat out said, yeah, this is what's happening currently right now. And I have to admit, okay, at the time reading that article, I didn't think much about it. But now after reading this about Amazon, it makes perfect sense right now. All these companies bought into the narrative that people were going to be staying at home when COVID-19 had hit, okay? Which is fine because at the time that was that was happening, okay? Now COVID restrictions are being, obviously have already been lifted. I don't know if it's been completely lifted across the United States, but at the time of this recording. But as people started going back to their normal lives, online shopping dropped. Even uh, Shopify said they felt it as well because people weren't using Shopify as much anymore. Google's feeling it because small businesses aren't using advertising as much anymore as well. And usually when a recession happens, like we've read in our past podcasts, and I would advise listening to some of those past podcasts to get a better understanding of where we're at. I had mentioned in the past podcast, an article that we had read that when recessions happen, advertising drops and advertising has already dropped across the board. You're looking at it from Google, Facebook, or actually in this case, Alphabet and Meta. You're seeing it from Microsoft because of the Bing and LinkedIn ads that they have. You're seeing it from Shopify. Small businesses aren't using ads as much anymore. Okay. The, the, the one outlier obviously is Pinterest. Pinterest was one of the few companies that actually beat their revenues for the quarter when it comes to advertising online. Okay. But the rest of the companies like Snapchat, Meta, Google, Microsoft, they're, they're feeling it. Okay. 
So Jeff Bezos, you're behind the curve. Like I said, my opinion at the end of the day, but I honestly believe we're already in that quote unquote recession. So, and you're just finally speaking out about it because you might be a little nervous that the general public might not be too happy with you in the long run, but it's just our opinion here on this podcast. And we're just reporting the news as we see it currently right now. and just trying to get the facts out there for people who are least listening to this podcast. So I'll leave it there. With that being said, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. I hope you have enjoyed it. If you had, please like and subscribe to this podcast. Every like and subscription we get helps grow this podcast. So we'll be able to keep talking about events that are happening on Wall Street or that Wall Street isn't or willing being able to talk about at all times. Please also continue to share with friends or family as it's helping us grow this podcast and getting the word out there what's happening. Again, thank you for listening to today's podcast today. Thank you and goodbye.